Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, we look back at Clyde Edward Hilaire's first press conference as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. Also, in the Chiefs Wire roundtable, we break down the top 10 rookie seasons in Chiefs history. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire managing editor, Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, Patrick Mahomes has now entered the ownership world in Major League Baseball. Are you surprised that he's made this move so early in his career? Yeah, there are really no surprises here. I mean, this kid lives and breathes sports. And baseball, of course, had a huge part in his upbringing. Mahomes' father, Pat Mahomes Sr., he spent 11 seasons as an MLB pitcher for the Twins, the Mets, the Red Sox, and so on and so forth. Mahomes basically grew up in the clubhouse, right? He took batting tips from from A-Rod. He worked ground balls with Derek Jeter. He shagged fly balls for Mike Hampton. I mean, he learned how to become a professional because of baseball and the influence of his dad and his friends uh, throughout his childhood when he was growing up. So, um, yeah, getting in on the the Royals, their ownership group, it's obviously a huge moment uh, for Kansas City, for Kansas City sports history. For me, it's a little reminiscent of when, like, George Brett first got involved in the Royals' front office. Mahomes, he's forever going to have a lasting impact on professional sports in Kansas City, and it, it extends now beyond just his career with the Chiefs. He'll have just such an expansive legacy, and I'm Certain, I am absolutely certain that this is not the last sports venture in the area that he'll be involved in. Getting a NHL team or a basketball team to Kansas City, that comes to mind, first of all. But there's no doubt in my mind that long after his retirement, uh, or maybe not even long after his retirement, he will have some sort of role within the Chiefs organization uh, whether it's working within the front office, uh, working you know on the staff side of things, but he, he's definitely um, making Kansas City his home for the long term, and, and this move just shows even more so the commitment that he has to this city. What are your thoughts on Laurent Duvernay Tardif opting out of the upcoming season, and what are the chances on another Chiefs player doing the same? Yeah, it's really admirable to see Larry forgo this season to continue his work that he's been doing this offseason up in Canada. Um, this is someone that has witnessed the horrors of the coronavirus firsthand. Um, but he also understands the stress that the virus has put on the healthcare system. And it's not just here in the United States, but also in Canada. Um, so even providing support as an orderly, which is what he's doing, is absolutely crucial during this time because having a lack of trained healthcare professionals is a big concern. As for other players opting out in Kansas City, I don't really expect to see any more opt-outs. There isn't really anyone notable with any sort of health risks or health problems that we currently know of, but it's worth noting there are some players with young children that could potentially choose to opt out of the season. That's obviously a decision they're going to discuss with their families and, you know, figure out on their own. But they also still have some time here because the deadline for opt-out decisions won't be until seven days after the NFL and the NFLPA sign the agreement that ratifies the new changes to the CBA. So as of our recording this, that hasn't happened yet. So they still have, at the very least... You know, seven days from from listening to this to decide to opt out of the season. So they're not really forced into this dis- decision quite yet. They can kind of go and show up at training camp and see the protocols and see how their teams are handling things and then make an educated decision from there. What are your thoughts on teams inviting fewer players to training camp, shortening chances for long shots to make the roster? Obviously, it's a huge bummer to see guys cut early. This is one of the the best parts of the process, I think, is to see some of these guys who are undrafted free agents or who are coming from other teams have that kind of second chance or that first chance to really impress and show, hey, I belong in this league. The deadline for teams to cut 
down to 80 players is August 16th. And uh, I expect the Chiefs to take things down to the wire. That way they'll have as much time as possible to give guys a chance to, to make an impression that says, hey, I, I'm a guy that belongs in the NFL. I'm a guy that belongs on the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, it makes some sense to cut the roster down with the COVID-19 pandemic going on. Um, there's less potential for exposures and whatnot. But you're also only going to have 69 roster spaces between the 53-man roster and the 16-man practice squad. So this should allow the team perhaps a better chance to really hone in on some of the best guys, some of the guys that they can envision, you know, maybe pushing for a roster spot on the 53 or, you know, someone who they say, okay, this is a guy who could come in and fill in. Uh, in a pinch if someone were to get sick, if someone were to have an injury during the course of the season. Can you tell us a little bit about the recent signings by the Chiefs this past week? Osemele has the potential to be a top 10 guard in the NFL when healthy. And I stress that because he hasn't been healthy really since 2017. Last season, he had the the shoulder injury and the whole thing going on with the Jets. And then before that, he had some ticky-tacky stuff that kind of junked up his season. I think he'll be playing left guard in Kansas City just because his history tells us that's where he plays. But I admit it'd be really fun to see him and Mitchell Schwartz working the running game on the same side because... Assembly is just a bully in the run run game, and, and he's the same way in pass protection too. And to me, that's really been the type of player that the Chiefs have needed for a while. They needed the tone setter. He can come in and set the tone for a physical running game and for a very active group in pass protection. So uh, I'm excited to see him in action and, and where they kind of envision him playing. Now... As for Thompson, I think the first thing that you notice when you turn on his tape is that he is, he's is he got some range. Um, he can make plays as the deep safety on the back end. He has that sideline-to-sideline side type of ability. Um, he's, not, he's not the best open field tackler, and he has a tendency to take some poor angles, but he has the playmaking ability that you like to see. He has the instincts that you like to see. He just needs a little bit of refinement. And I think he can get that with the coaching staff in Kansas city. Another thing I'll say about this signing is that I don't think it bodes too well for Juan Thornhill being ready to start the season. I think we're going to have to see a move uh, to the PUP list for Thornhill, at least at, at the beginning of training camp. Maybe, maybe there's a chance that, that he'll end up getting off that list before the start of the season. But I think that that this could be a scenario where if he has to stay on the PUP list, they might have to wait until week six to bring him back. So we're just going to have to see what happens there. But Thompson, he has that similar type of range. He's that similar type of player to Thornhill, which is what really makes me think that that's something that we could be running into here shortly. And as always, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, so uh, Jamar Chaney, a former Eagles linebacker who was drafted by Andy Reid in 2010, he's joining the Chiefs coaching staff uh, through the Bill Walsh Diversity Coaching Fellowship. We have uh, an article about that, has some quotes from him uh, with an interview with one of our affiliated papers down in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Um, if you like seeing a disgruntled John Elway, we've got a great story for you this week. Um, he, you'll love hearing him declare Patrick Mahomes as the best football player in the NFL, quote unquote. <laughs> that, that, I mean, that, that was sweet hearing him say that. I also, I broke down uh, a few clips of Kalesio Semele film just to let fans in on what they're getting in their new guard. Um, we have a ton, a ton of, of new information from uh, the Chiefs training camp press conferences over the weekend. Um, everything from, from rookies to uh, the COVID-19 protocols and all sorts of good stuff there. As always, we just appreciate you guys so much for, for tuning in and uh, reading the website. 
We're getting a little bit closer, a little bit closer to football each and every day. And uh, I'm so excited about that. And I'm sure you guys are too. Go Chiefs. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Chiefs Wire Podcast, we are back, and as always, it is the time for the roundtable. We have Mitch Carney, we have Talon Graf. We have a lot going on because right before we were actually about to start recording, and uh, just to give people a little background in regards to what the topic was today, the topic was top 10 rookie seasons from Chiefs. And as we're talking about you know, doing this topic, the news comes in about Damian Williams. Um, Damian Williams actually opting out of the season due to the whole COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And automatically, you have to assume that Clyde Edwards-Lair will be the starting running back for this season. So before we begin to our top 10 list of all-time rookie seasons, Mitch, I want to get your thoughts on um, possibly Clyde Edwards-Lair being a guy that could be on this list in the future. Yeah, I mean, if I was a betting man, I'd uh, I'd put money down for him to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. I feel really confident, you know, with Andy Reid and his ability to make running backs better. Like he made Damian Williams, you know, a key a key contributor to the team. Look what he, uh, look what Andy Reid was able to do with Kareem Hunt his rookie season. I'm really excited to see what uh, Clyde Edwards Player looks looks like. Yeah, I think I think he's going to be a good piece of of the offense. I, I, I'm just not on board yet with the whole he's going to be this dynamic playmaker. He's going to be this ultra productive guy. I, th- I think he's going to be productive. There's no doubt about that. Just being in the Chiefs offense alone is going to make him productive. But I just think there's so many other weapons that they're just not going to really need to put him in a lot of positions to be a big-time contributor. I think they're still going to be an RBC running back by committee team. I think they're going to rely on Daryl Williams for a little bit. They're going to they're gonna feed Edwards Harrell. Hilaire a little bit. They're going to make him a part of the passing game and all that stuff. But Darwin Thompson's still a young guy. They're trying to get acclimated. So I think there's just a lot of mouths to feed in the backfield for him to really be thrusted that much. I think a lot of people are kind of overhyping a little bit because, I, I mean, there's still Travis Kelsey. There's still Tyreek Hill. There's still DeMarcus Robinson. There's still McCole Hardman. You know, and obviously the offense goes through Patrick Mahomes. So, I, you know, it's he's going to be good. There's no doubt about that. But I just don't know if I'm, I'm seeing offensive rookie of the year quite yet. It's the off season. All we can do is hype people up. Like that's all. <laughs> I'm going offensive. Right. Gonna come out and he's just going to be a beast. He, he's going to get the majority of the running back snaps. They may give Daryl Williams and maybe Darwin Thompson some snaps, but like I really believe that just the the amount of talent Clyde Edwards has um, is just way more than Daryl and Darwin you know put together. So I think he's going to get the majority of the snaps and I can really see him making some pretty big plays, not only in the running game, but also in the passing game. Yeah, I definitely agree. He's the most talented running back in the group. There's no doubt about that. Even with Damian Williams, if he was still around, Edwards Hilaire is probably the most talented, but I just, I don't know. I think there's just so many more offensive weapons around him that he, he might have a thousand yard season. He might even, you know, eclipse like a 1700 scrimmage yard. If that's the case, then sure, rookie of the year. But I just – I don't know. I just don't foresee that happening because as, as good as Andy Reid makes running backs look, they're never the focal point of the offense, especially when you have Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill to blow the tops off of defenses, and then you can rely on Travis Kelsey to, to get those tough yardages and, the, you know, the, the first down yardages. I just – I don't know. I just – oh, and I, re, I didn't even mention Sammy Watkins. Like it's just, There's just so many other mouths to feed that have been in this offense for longer than Edward Hilaire, and there's going to be an acclimation period. So I just – I don't know. I'm, I've, always, I've always been the, the pessimistic side of things when it comes to rookies. So I, I, I love that you're, you know, hyping him up because I, I, I'm ex- I would be thrilled to death if he has a season like that. But I just – for me, I just – I like to take stuff with a grain of salt before I really, you know, put guys on a pedestal all right uh, and i love how this already started a passionate debate the uh the only thing that i was going to bring up because you know obviously you have a young running back why not have a veteran to uh show him the ropes a little bit a guy that is still that's still out there in free agency Lashawn mccoy was on the team last year do you bring him back just as a quick mentor any thoughts I on wouldn't. that no? I, I i wouldn't i mean you- <laughs> 
I, I just don't see the benefit of it. I mean, what's he going to do besides take reps away from everybody else? I, I just, I mean, what's he, I don't know. Other than being a locker room presence, which he would be great at. And he was, you know, that's kind of what he served his last year. He never really even saw the field toward the end of the year. Bringing him in at this point, I just don't know. I think there's, there's, that money can be spent better elsewhere. You know, maybe boosting up the O-line a little bit more, even after assembly, maybe going in, bringing a veteran cornerback, maybe going out, getting a veteran linebacker. There, there's, other, there's other spots where that money could be filled rather than bringing in LaShawn McCord just to be a mentor. Yeah, I definitely agree. I would, I would only consider bringing in McCoy if he was maybe a part of the team for like two or three seasons, but he was only on the Chiefs for a season. I don't know, like he knows the offense, but definitely not, doesn't like, he doesn't know it great, I would say. Just say, like, only being on the team for a season. But uh, I just think they just let Clyde Edwards Hilaire just take over and let, let him be RB1. All right. That sounds like the consensus right there. But how about we get into the actual top 10, which is what we were going to originally talk about. The uh, top 10, this is Chiefs' rookie seasons of all time. Once again, this is Mitch's opinion, and then you have Talon's opinion as well. Guys, let's get right into it. Talon, you're up first. All right, beautiful. Um. So, for my first one, my number 10, I went Juan Thornhill. I think he deserves to be on this list, even though he, he got hurt before the playoffs. I think he had a fantastic rookie season. I believe he had three interceptions. Uh, he, he was in on a lot of players on pass deflection, stuff like that. He was in a lot of tackles. Now, a lot of, he started every single game of the regular season, all 16 games. He was a starter. Uh, being a second-round draft pick, I think he stepped up in a very big way, helped out that defense, was a major part of, of that defense turning it around in 2019. Uh, shame we didn't get to see him in the playoffs, but hopefully we get to see him come back bigger, better, and stronger in 2020 and beyond. Uh, but Juan Thornhill, for me, his 2019 rookie season was my number 10. Uh, for number nine, I went Tyree Kill. Not necessarily for his receiving prowess, um, but more so for his kick and punt return ability. Um, but during his rookie year, he did score a touchdown in all four major facets. He had a punt return, at least one punt return. He had at least one kick return for a touchdown. He had a receiving touchdown, and he had a rushing touchdown. Um, that's stellar. That's pretty amazing for a guy that can come in and be that versatile and, and that effective in so many facets of the game uh, right off the get-go. And, he, you know, it's not like he played major college ball. He, you know, he played at a small – obviously, he started at Oklahoma State, and then obviously off the field issues forced him in, um, at a smaller school. But coming in to, to the NFL and immediately being that, that impactful is, is something that is worth noting. Uh, my number eight, Marcus Peters. Uh, <laughs> if you guys follow me at all, you know I'm not a fan of Marcus Peters. Um, but it can't be ignored what he did on the field. You know, it, it's, it's, it's always tough for me when people blend off the field issues with on the field productivity just because you're pos off the field doesn't mean you're you're a bad football player it's it's two different things um so for me marcus peters his rookie year in 2015 you know he led the league in interceptions he took two of them back for touchdowns um it was his most productive year in terms of tackling he he, he dropped off a lot after after his rookie year but he he was such a dynamic playmaker his rookie year um and and you know, he fell down draft boards. He probably should have been a top 10, maybe even a top five pick that year. But he, you know, playing at Washington, he was kicked off the team, off the field issues, of course. And, and then Andy Reid takes a flyer on him. He turns out, you know, at first he looks like a great pick. And then all of a sudden that stuff comes roaring back. But anyway, Marcus Peters in 2015 is my number uh, eight. And then my number seven, I went Tom Ali, the defensive end turned uh, pass rushing linebacker. He had, I believe, double-digit sacks his rookie year. Uh, being a first-round draft pick, you're you're kind of the expectations are high coming out of Penn State. Um, his first year, he had his hand in the dirt and four as a four-three defensive end. He was very productive. Uh, did a lot of good things for the for the defense. It was actually he was he was drafted the year right after my number six, which is Derek Johnson. Um, and both of those guys had outstanding rookie years. So Tom Bali, um, his rookie year was very productive. And the year, right right before him, Derek Johnson. Uh, came in and, and stepped up in a big way, took over the middle of the defense, was a big product, productive guy. He was productive in tackling. He was productive in interceptions. He deflected a lot of passes. He even got to the quarterback a couple of times. You know, for a guy like that to, on defense to really – and I remember back, back, in, back in the day when Derek Johnson was, was a young buck before he, you know, kind of got in the doghouse and then redeemed himself. 
he was it was a big thing to see Derek Johnson being that type of playmaker for the defense and, and a lot of people were kind of you know saw flashes of Derek Thomas and, and stuff like that and there's a lot of comparisons being thrown around in that sense but yeah Derek Johnson man had a great rookie year um so my first five, a lot of defensive heavy, really, but Juan Thornhill, number 10, Tyreek Hill, number nine, Marcus Peters, number eight, Tom Bali, number seven, and Derek Johnson, number six. You know what? I, I like that. And you know what I like the most um, besides the list is how you went with uh, POS, and I'm not going to actually break down what that means, but uh, <laughs> I will let everyone at home use their uh, imagination on that one. <laughs> But uh, just just also with the list, um, I was curious to see if Juan Thornhill would make your list. And, you know, we always kind of rave about him on the show. Number 10, I, I, I like it. Okay, that's, that's a solid spot for it, you know, because it wasn't uh, – it was a great rookie season, but it wasn't that great to be, like, higher up on the list. So I kind of like number 10. That makes, that makes sense. Um, uh, Marcus Peters, as you already referred to him earlier, that was one that – I think a lot of people – it would be very interesting to see how he would have fared if he stuck around a little longer, you know, in, in a Chiefs uniform. I, I always kind of uh, look at that situation and say where, what could have been, you know? So. Yeah, it's, it, it's tough to not look at that. And, and had he kept his head on straight and, and had the season maybe gone in a little bit different way, you know, yeah, he, may be, he might still be a Chief. But, I, you know, me personally – especially as a coach, it's tough to have those kinds of locker room presences when, when everything's not going your way and you're facing adversity and guys like that in the locker room, I don't want them. I don't care how good you are in the field. I, I don't want that cancer in the locker room. And, and if, if things aren't going exactly the way you want them, is this how you're going to react? And are you just going to hurt the team even more? You know, no, thank you. But you know, his on the field production is, you can't argue, it was, it was stellar. Definitely understand that. All right, let's head to your next five. All right, so my number five, I went with uh, Dale Carter, who played primarily in the 90s for the Chiefs. He was drafted in 1992. Right off the get-go, 1992 AP uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year. I mean, that kind of tells you how good of a year he had. Um, he ended up being a four-time Pro Bowler for the Chiefs, um, all at the cornerback position. He was a big-time starter, big-time playmaker for those early 90s defenses that obviously had, you know, the, the guys that everybody knows, uh, the Derek Thomases, the Neil Smiths, the Dan Salimuas, the, the – uh, the Donnie Edwards, oh, those kind of guys. Joe Carter was the back end of that. He was he was a shutdown corner for those teams, and um, he was always kind of there to make plays. Uh, his rookie year, he had seven interceptions, which was actually his career high. He never even got more than four after that. Um, Big-time playmaker, though, his rookie year. Uh, number four, I went with one of the most beloved Chiefs of all time, and definitely my top five favorite Chief of all time is Eric Berry. Um, right from the get-go, you kind of just saw what this guy brought to the table. And, and being such an early pick at the safety position, number five overall, you don't necessarily a lot of times see a safety go that high. More, more often than not, a defensive back that goes that high as a cornerback or something. But, but, but Eric Berry coming out of Tennessee, fifth overall in 2010, man, he stepped in. And, and right away, he was like, all right, this is, this is, this is my secondary. I, I want to be a leader. I want to be a playmaker. I want to be a difference maker. And he kind of did it all. He had four interceptions. Um, I think he even maybe maybe even took one or two back for a touchdown. He 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 was in uh, in on a couple sacks. Um, always always a playmaker in, in tackles too, and and he was never shy about making a play in the running game. So so Eric Berry, big time player. His rookie year started all sixteen games. Right off the bat, it was he was a big time player for the Chiefs. Number three, this might be uh, argued and debatable among the Chiefs kingdom, um, but. I, I had to put him here. Derek Thomas was my number three. A lot of people probably might have him higher than that even, but Derek Thomas coming right off the bat out of Alabama in 1989, he, he had a good year. Um, it wasn't his best year. And, and I think the reason I put him as, at number three, even though his rookie year was impressive, looking at his entire body of work, he only got better. You know, a lot of these guys, Dale Carter and, and, uh, and arguably Marcus Peters, their rookie year was their best year as a chief. And, Outside of that, they kind of they weren't as productive or as you know big of a playmaker. But Derek Thomas just got better. Um, but as a rookie, he started all sixteen games, had ten sacks, um, and it started. He started off you know four years of, of all double digit sacks, and, and really was just an, an an astronomical draft pick by the Chiefs, probably one of the best of all time. Um, yeah. Anyway, great rookie season for Derek Thomas. Number my number three. Now my number two uh, running. Delaney, 
story of Joe Delaney. You, if you don't, you should. Uh, Joe Delaney was a running back. He was drafted in 19, uh, 1982, I believe. And then he was a rookie of the year. I'm sorry, 81. He was rookie of the year in 81, over 1,000 yards. Um, and uh, he, he tragically passed away as a hero, saving, saving a couple kids from down. Um, you know, that's, that's one of the biggest what ifs in, in Chiefs history and NFL history is, man, what would have happened had Joe Delaney not tragically perished in that accident? And, and had he been a Chief for longer, what, what could have been, what would have been, um, what were those offenses of the 80s been like with an actual, you know, stud running back like Joe Delaney back there toting the rock? So Joe Delaney, my number two. My number one, I'm not going to lie to you, it's going to be controversial. Um, but I mentioned earlier, you have to separate off-field issues from on-the-field production. And even though this guy is no longer a chief even, and, and, and he, he's gone through a lot of turmoil and a lot of off-field issues, but when you look at his, his stats and his on-field production, his rookie year, it's, it's tough to say that anybody else had a better rookie year, and that's Kareem Hunt. Uh, he came in and, and you know, he, he, he and Patrick Mahomes kind of took the league by storm, and, and everybody was real scared of that Chiefs offense. You know, his, he, he had over 1,300 yards. I believe Lee led the league in rushing that year. He had eight touchdowns on the ground. Uh, he was he was effective in the passing game, nearly 500 yards. He had some touchdowns there. Just an all-around unbelievable running back. And the fact that that he wasn't taken in the first round, he wasn't even taken in the second. He was a third-round running back. And you look at that class of of running backs in 2017. He he's arguably he had the best year, and he was he was obviously uh, arguably one of the most promising. Unfortunately, you know. The knucklehead syndrome came in to play, and, and and things got, you know, went off the, the rails, and and he he got shipped off to to well not shipped off he got cut, and then he he's now Cleveland Brown. But um, having having said all that, Kareem Hunt his rookie year, it's it's tough to debate that that was not the best rookie season in Chiefs history. All right, I like the list, and you know I do have to say like you bringing up um, Kareem Hunt. If we had, like, a what-ifs part two, you know, you, you talk about Kareem Hunt, you talk about Marcus Peters, man, like, you know, the team won a Super Bowl last year. The year before that, made it to the conference championship game. It, it's, it's, just, it's hard to, to even fathom how the team would have looked if those two guys could have got their act together off the field. And we wouldn't even be talking about Clyde Edwards Hilaire right now because it'd still be Kareem Hunt. You know, so true. So true. Yeah. <laughs> and we wouldn't be worrying about these. We wouldn't be worried about Breland and his off the field issues and, and all these young cornerbacks that have to step up. You know, we'd, we'd be relying on that stud Marcus Peters. You're, you're absolutely right. Man, it's, it's crazy when you think about it. But uh, Talon, great list. Mitch, you're up. What you got at number 10? At number 10, I have an offensive lineman with Mitch Morse. Uh, he was just one of the most consistent uh, linemen the Chiefs had, you know, during his rookie season. People forget how hard it is to play center in the NFL. I mean, after his rookie season, he was considered a top-five center. Uh, he played 92% of his snaps, and he was just such a good offensive lineman, such a good player for the Chiefs. Um, it was, unfortunately, his last few seasons with the Chiefs, he had two, uh, two injuries, and he had trouble staying on the field. But just his rookie season alone, he was such a big part of the offensive line. And it really allowed the Chiefs to do something um, with the interior. At number nine, I went kicker with Harrison Butker. Um, just a ton of rookie uh, records with him. Uh, he comes in in the middle of the season, hits a game winner, his first game against the Redskins. Like that's like really hard to do. Like and comes in, just nails it. He also has the most field goals attempts by a rookie kicker in Chiefs history. He's also got the uh, most like points points scored by rookie his rookie season which is impressive I know kickers usually get that but just to come in halfway like not playing all 16 games and this still gets that record was just really impressive especially since we had Ryan suck up for so long and also Cairo Santos was a, a kicker we ended up getting for a couple seasons who was also a rookie he just comes in you know misses a few games because he uh, replaced Santos and just still was very productive and this was so good right off the back at number eight, I have Dwayne Bowe. Um, this guy, I was actually really surprised when I looked at his stats. Um, his rookie season, he had 995 yards and five touchdowns. That's really impressive if you consider the, uh, the quarterbacks he had. Uh, that year, he had Damon Hubert and Brody Coroyle as his starting quarterbacks, and the Chiefs finished 4-12. and He was five yards short, five yards short off a 1,000-yard season, which is uh, pretty impressive for a 4-12 and team. 
Um, you know, especially coming in being a rookie, you got Tony Gonzalez and, you know, he's going to get the majority of the targets, but he comes in as a rookie and almost gets a thousand yards with those two quarterbacks who, if, uh, if Chiefs fans remember, are just not good. So, uh, it's pretty impressive that he was, was so successful as rookie season. At number seven, I got Eric Berry also, uh, four interceptions, one touchdown and two sacks. Interesting fact about Eric Berry's, um, First touchdown he got, or that touchdown he got his uh, rookie season, that was actually my first Chiefs game I ever went to. So it was like one of those things I'll never really forget to see Eric Berry score his first touchdown, his first pick six. Uh, so that's a really cool moment. But just like Talon said, he was just able to be everywhere on the field. He was able to, you know, play deep. He was able to kind of come up and play in the box and kind of be like a linebacker, like safety hybrid. And it was just can be all over the field. You know, he was able to rush the quarterback and do some really interesting things and like. And kind of, he's kind of like you talked about last week. He was like a Tyron Matthew 2.0. Like, like if you look at Tyron Matthew, Eric Berry did, did a lot of the similar things he did. At number six, I have Tomba Holly, eight sacks, five forced fumbles. That's just super impressive, especially coming in your rookie season, just to come in and be a super productive player rushing the quarterback. Tomba Holly was always one of the more consistent players in Chiefs history you know, when he came to rushing the quarterback. And just super impressive what he was able to do his rookie season. So those are my uh, bottom five. You know what, um, Mitch, obviously like a, a good bottom five. And I, I just got to point out, I like how you brought a little personal element to it, saying that it was your first game that you ever went to. Mm-hmm. So that's always going to stick with you. I, I'm surprised you didn't have it higher. But uh, you see, I, I like how you took the bias out of it when it came to your rankings, though. So it's, uh, that's respectful. Yeah. I, I like that. I think, uh, think Talon's going to have a problem with my top five because it's a lot different. <laughs> oh, I'm ready. Let's go. Oh man, yeah. You know, I'm not even gonna wait. We're not even gonna wait. Let's jump right into it. Let's go to Mitch's top five because I'm excited now. Let's go to him. All right. So number five, I think this one was the same. I think you had him at number five too. I got Dale Carter, seven receptions, one touchdown, two fumble recoveries. He's just like a Marcus Peters 2.0 his rookie year. Uh, he was like, well, not, I want to say not quite Marcus Peters actually, but just super good at causing turnovers. It's just a playmaker. Uh, one defensive rookie of the year, uh, really good. It's a shame that he kind of, you know, went downhill after his rookie year, but in that rookie season, he was just able to make such a big di- difference in the secondary. At number four, I got Tyree Kill, uh, 593 receiving yards, six touchdowns, 267 rushing yards with three touchdowns, being had three return touchdowns. I know you, uh, you put him on your list just because of you know, how good he was at returning. I mean, I wanted to consider everything that he was doing. He came in, and he was just dynamic right away. Like, I just remember being uh, watching the, his first game against the Chargers when he scored his first touchdown, and he, like, did this little screen play, and he was just able to outrun everybody and just get these weird angles and get into the, get into the end zone and just being like, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to be a problem just because of how fast he is. And then also, he also um, tied – where he got a record his rookie season. But I don't know if you would consider it a record. But um, against the Broncos, he was, like, one of the only two players to score a return touchdown, a rushing touchdown, and a receiving touchdown. Um, that was a record where uh, a thing that happened last – the last time that happened was in 1965. So that's just, like, it's you know, players just don't do that. It's unheard of. And that was, like, one of those other games for – one of those other games where I was like, oh, my gosh, this Tyreek Hill guy is going to be a big problem for the league. Like, he's just going to destroy. He's just going to be one of the top players in the league just because of how fast he is and how good he is and how the Chiefs can use him because they can use him as a returner. They can use him as a, you know, as a receiver and also even as a running back kind of because his rookie season, they, they play, lined, him up, lined him up as running back and he could take off for 60 yards from the backfield. So I got him at number four. At number three, I got Derek Thomas, 10 sacks, three forced fumbles. Uh, if you're a double-digit sack leader, I mean double-digit sack person in a your rookie season, that's automatically top five rookie season, in my opinion. Just super impressive. You know, it's hard to do anything in the NFL, and it's super hard to be, to be a player that can get 10 sacks in a season, especially as a rookie. So I got him at number three. And number two, I got Kareem Hunt uh, with the almost 1,300 yards rushing, eight TDs, and then 455 receiving yards with another three touchdowns. Um, just like Talon said, like, just he's one of the biggest what-ifs in Chiefs history. Uh, but his rookie season, he was just so dynamic, such a good player. Um, 
this really took over the league and in my opinion should have won offensive rookie of the year and over Alvin Kamara, but to each his own, I guess. But a uh, super good player. I, I wish he was still around in Kansas City, but you know, got that knucklehead syndrome just like Talon said. And number one, uh, I think this is the one Talon's gonna have the most problem with. I got Marcus Peters at my number one with the eight interceptions for two TDs and then the 26 pass deflections. I love Marcus Peters. He is one of my favorite players to ever come through Kansas City. I also didn't like that he had locker room issues and all that junk, but oh my gosh, I just remember uh, in 2015 watching him, he would be the reason why I would watch watch the Chiefs that year. I mean, Chiefs were a good team that year, but you know, he was just so dynamic. It just seemed like every every game he had a highlight. He was either going to get an interception or just make this crazy pass deflection. And he was just so good his rookie season. I know you talk about the bad tackling and all that junk, but I don't want my cornerback. I mean, if my cornerback can tackle, that's great. But I want turnovers. And that's what Marcus Peters was just great at. Just so good at getting those interceptions and you know, taking that pick six against the Ravens and just doing the, uh, the Ray Lewis dance on him. Just such a – iconic rookie season i gotta put him at my number one interesting very interesting and a, a talent you know first of all you already you coined some terms just from marcus peters alone you know pos of course I, I'm, I'm never gonna forget that one um knucklehead <laughs> syndrome knucklehead syndrome is a good one uh okay so mitch thought that you would have a problem with him going number one Talon, would you like to have a little rebuttal to it? The, the fact that he had him, you know, the guy that you really do not like off the field? You know, I, I, can't, I can't argue too much. That, I mean, the fact that I even had – I had Marcus Peters on the list. I, I hate that I probably did take a little personal animosity into the ranking. I, he probably does deserve to be higher on my list, being number uh, – being number uh, – Eight is probably a little too low. I'm going to be completely honest. Number one, a little too high, uh, in my opinion. I think, you know, maybe we, maybe we can compromise and split the difference, put him at number four on, on our combined list, whatever. Um, but, I mean, Marcus Peters was a great playmaker. He was so good. And at one point, I was a fan. I was a fan of Marcus Peters. But ever since the flag-throwing incident and the, you know, the, the dancing on the – the bench after he got, you know, kicked out. It's like that, that from that very moment, I was completely and utterly done with Marcus Peters. I didn't care about his on-field productivity. I, I was done. Absolutely done. I didn't want to see him in a Chiefs uniform from that moment on. But I do think number one is, is very generous. And, you know, I, I get it. I do understand because he was such a good playmaker. He always seemed to be in the right spot. And even like – it was like, how, how did he even make the interception? Like, how did he know to be in that spot? Because, like, the ball was, like, deflected and, like, went, like, three yards past where it was even going to be. Like, it was – he did his, – his knack for playmaking is, is off the charts. I, I cannot argue that. But I just – it's just hard for me because, I yeah, it's just seeing what he did and, and how he reacted to animosity and, and adversity, it just – yeah. It, it is tough for me to see him at number one. I don't – I do think that's too generous, but – I'll be I'll be fair and say that I me having him at number eight is probably too low. So, we talking rookie season though, like rookie season though, he was dynamic, defensive rookie of the year, eight TDs, two I mean eight interceptions, two TDs. He didn't start having those issues to around two, year two or year three. So I kept him, you know, kind of didn't think about that stuff because I know I also didn't really like you know the issues you had in the locker room in year two and year three but his rookie season he was just dynamic you know I don't really think he had too many problems his rookie year but man his your rookie his rookie season you can't lie he was just such a good playmaker just all over the field getting these pass deflections and you know intercepting Peyton Manning and taking it all the way to the house you know week two against the Broncos unfortunately we ended up losing that game but you know, that was just one of those times where I'm like, oh, my gosh, again, this guy, he's going to be a problem for the league. Just such a good player. This rookie season, just, oh, I, I, I miss Marcus Peters. He is, he is one of my personal favorites. Again, I hate the locker room stuff, but, oh, my gosh, such a good player. And, and, and you're, you're 100% right. The, the, the stats alone for his rookie year off the charts, it, it's remarkable what he did. But, uh, you know, if you look at the entire body of work and you look at – Look at that 2015 defense. They had Don Terry Poe. They had Justin Houston. They had Derek Johnson. They had Tom Bali. They had Eric Berry. They had Ron Parker, who was a playmaker back then. They had, Ron Parker had five sacks that season. Um, it's it, you know I'm not saying I'm not trying to negate 
what Marcus Peters did because, you know, the stats speak from interceptions. You don't get eight interceptions because of everybody else. Like, you, you're a playmaker. Um, but, but being thrust into that defense and being, you know, pushed down and, and, and the fact that he was taken at number 15, you're, you're coming into a good situation. You're coming into a good defense. You have a lot of playmakers already around you. I mean, Justin Houston was a pro bowler. Johnson was a pro bowler. Ali was a pro bowler. Barry was all pro. You're coming into a really good situation. You put Marcus Peters on a you know a team that picked top five in, in, a, in a defense that doesn't have that type of playmakers, I don't think that season happens. I think you have to attribute some of those numbers to just the, the unit that he was able to be a part of. Granted, he, I mean, he's, he's been a playmaker almost his entire career now and, and for three different squads now. So I'm not – there's no doubt about it he's a good playmaker. But I just – I think you, being a rookie and being that productive, I think you do have to look at, you know, who he was playing with as well. Okay, you make good points there. But so can I make the same argument about Kareem Hunt? He comes into an offense with Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Andy Reid as the head coach, had Alex Smith his rookie season, but, you know, he's still a competent quarterback. Couldn't you make the same argument about that? 100%. You, you 100% can make that argument. <laughs> you sure can. I just – I don't know. I just – you know, that's, that's a good point. That's, that's a solid argument. I, 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 I totally see why you put him down there, but just defensive rookie of the year. He's got the, you know, the title with him there right there also. Just the eight, eight interceptions, two TDs, just, just all, over the, all over the field. Had tackling issues, but – if you're if you're a cornerback, I just want you to cause turnovers. That's my biggest thing. But to each his own. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, I'm I'm not mad at your list. The only the only problem I have is I didn't hear Joe, Joe Delaney's name. That's the biggest issue I have. But other than that, other than that, I'll I, I like it. I'm not, I'm, I'm, he was really hard to keep off. I kind of had him. I wanted to put in Mitch Morse because I don't think people give enough recognition to linemen in general. He was just such a dynamic offensive lineman. Just played 90, 92% of his snaps his rookie season and then was a, considered a top five center. That's really hard to do as a, as a rookie, so I really wanted to put him in there. Yeah, so actually. Now Joe Delaney. Yeah, actually, mad respect for the Mitch Morse pick. Offensive linemen don't get enough credit, and the fact that you did um, have Mitch Morse on there, I, I mad respect for that. But, I, you know, maybe – I don't know. I, it's, it's just tough to not see Joe Delaney. But other than that, I, I, love, I love the list. I do. You see, guys, I like that. I like how, you know, the Marcus Peters thing, that started the debate, and I like the fact there's a little back and forth there. But you guys, you know, you've got a little middle ground in regards to the different picks you had. So it's good. You know, we found peace there. I do want to throw out one name that you guys didn't mention, but I think, I feel like it's worth it, especially since, you know, Thornhill's name was brought up and that was from last season. McCole Hardman was a pro bowler. You know, I, I do want to put that out there. You can't ignore the fact that he was a Pro Bowler in his rookie season. Yes, it was special teams, but it was still a big deal. I'm just curious real quick, guys, why wasn't he on either one of your lists? Uh, Talon, you go first. I think it's just everybody else that was on the list. You can't argue that McCole Hardman deserves a spot over any of the guys we mentioned. I mean, maybe Juan Thornhill, you know, maybe that argument might exist. Um, but everybody else, you can't really say that if you want, if you want to say McCole Hardman belongs on the list and you have to say somebody else doesn't belong. So who are you going to say doesn't belong? So I'm, I, I'm not, it's more of a McCole Hardman didn't deserve to be on the list. He just, everybody I mentioned and, and that Mitch mentioned, I just don't think they didn't deserve to be on the list. And McCole Hardman, eh, very, very good, very productive rookie year, but I think a lot of that has to do with what I mentioned with Marcus Peters. Look who he was playing with. I mean, are, are you going to try to stop McCole Hardman or are you going to try to stop Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, you know, try, try to get to Patrick Mahomes? Where is your focal point going to be if you're a defensive coach? And I just don't think it was going to be McCole Hardman. I think a lot of that had to do with, with who he was playing with. And he's going, to be, he's going to be very good. But I just think a lot of that production had to do with, you know, how many playmakers there were. Yeah, I totally agree with Talon. Uh, the reason I kind of left him off my list was just because I don't think he made an immediate impact on the team this year. I, I, I don't know if that's the right word because he, you know, did play a big part, part. He had six touchdowns, but I do think we probably could have plugged in another receiver there and it would have been okay. All the players that me and Talon had on our list, you know, was a focal part of the team that season. You know, I feel like we could have put Demarcus Robinson in there for McCole and and been okay because we originally got me cold because we didn't know what was going to go on with Tyree Kill. 
So I, that's why I left him off my list because I feel like, you know, McColl was somewhat replaceable while these other rookies, you know, definitely had an immediate impact on the team. All right, guys. Um, obviously, a lot of great choices. And I love how this topic just had so much different debate there. I mean, you guys are really going at it. I didn't think Marcus Peters would be the, the, the key to have you guys really just go at it. So that's, that's some good stuff right there. Um, until next week, another topic. You know, and we're open to suggestions. Also, at the Chiefs Wire, hit us up and let us know what our next list should be. Uh, we're in training camp season, guys. This is it. We're, we're, we're here. The new season is here. Let's go. Right. <laughs> I love the delayed reaction. That's how you know we're ready. All <laughs> right, guys. Take care. Uh, you guys do the same. Thank you. Ultimately, I was. I'm just really happy, happy to be here. Um, this is my this is my happy place. I've been doing this. I'm only been on Earth for 21 years. I've been playing football since I was five. So, this is what I do. Um, and this is this is. I'm, I'm. I can't wait. Everything, the the setup, everything about everything here is just perfect for me. Uh, and I can't wait. Uh, playbook. It was you know as far as not having to to do school and everything. It was the playbook. I, I feel like it's it's easy. Uh, I, I've, I've had, you know, officer coordinators, multiple offenses I had to learn year in, year out. So, I mean, this is, you know, this is nothing new. Just learning a new offense and then adjusting to the players around me. Let's go to Aaron Ladd. Go ahead, Aaron. Clyde, I appreciate the time. I'm curious what it will look like off the field with you, kind of the rules and regulations we're seeing now is that uh, there could be fines possibly for, for going out and kind of excusing the protocols. Would it be difficult for you to spend, you know, three or four months protocol at home when you got all this newfound uh, NFL success? Oh, no. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, you can you can literally ask anybody in college. I probably went out five times. I can count on one hand how many times I went out. So I'm not a I'm not a party guy. I, I stay at home. Uh, I chill. And then ultimately, I'm, I'm usually just by myself. If I'm doing anything, I'm, I'm probably just hunting or fishing. Right now, I'm, I'm absolutely comfortable. I've took over. I probably say I took over ten COVID nineteen tests. Uh, all came back negative. The way everything is displayed here, and, and the way everything is set up here, I'm, I feel absolutely safe. Uh, with my mom being a being a nurse and, and pretty much running her uh, her own veterans home back at home, uh, and and dealing with dealing with COVID nineteen and everything else, I pretty I ran everything by her how everything was set up. And I mean, if she's absolutely comfortable with it, being you know uh, a first responder and, and and someone who's on the front line during during this pandemic, I can be I, I can be comfortable with it. So I'm I'm completely comfortable, and I'm just ready to get to work. Let's go, Steve Walls. Go ahead, Steve. Hey, what's going on, Clyde? Um, over the past few months, we've all learned a little bit more about ourselves. Um, I heard Todd Gurley say that he's never worked out so hard in his life. I'm just wondering uh, what you've learned about yourself over this past few months in these times of uncertainty. Being able to to press that pause button and slow everything down for somebody, you know, that was. Uh, went on this 15-0 run and then won a national championship and immediately I was right back training and then to the combine and the draft and everything. And then everything was just a whirlwind. So being able to just pause, stop, and being able to focus on, one, uh, mental health and, and just, you know, two, my, my body, just getting everything back straight and, and in tune to ultimately do what I love. I feel absolutely comfortable being able to. We, we did installs uh, before everybody had the, the online installs, and I was able to, to run routes and, and do things from our playbook beforehand. So coming in, ultimately, my thing is just to learn. Um, you know, I have, I have a lot of guys that's, that's vets in the room and, and guys who have been here that I can absolutely learn from and pick their brain. So I have that at my disposal, and, and I'm just here to be a team player. Well, for me, you know, it, it, it hits home. My mom, she was, uh, she actually had uh, COVID. And then my little sister, she, uh, <laughs> she has muscular dystrophy. So me wearing a, me wearing a mask and keeping everything just in, in, to, in tune and, and, and keeping everybody safe around. I mean, she, uh, she was born with a, with a lot of difficult, difficult, you know, a real difficult situation. And uh, ultimately if she gets it, it's, 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 it'll pretty much be fatal. So, for me, it's a uh, it's personal.
you know, wear a mask. It's, it's, it's something that, that you do when you, you know, just go outside and, and interact with people. Uh, and staying six feet apart is, is, is the main key. So wear a mask, stay six feet apart, and ultimately, man, we should be able to, to knock this curve down. And, I mean, everybody wants to be in the, in the stands on a, on a Sunday, Monday, or Thursday, so let's just make it happen. Just wear a mask. It's simple as that. Well, uh, the biggest thing is uh, she hasn't even been able to, to pretty much get out here to even see, uh, you know, just whatever's going on. Just because, I mean, the, the nervousness of, of, of her coming out here and possibly contracting uh, COVID just because, you know, you have people around that can't simply just wear a mask or, or just do, do the simple things. Uh, she, she hasn't seen anything yet. So ultimately it's, it's it's hitting home, so uh, ultimately I'm, I'm just I'm just ready to to get all this rolling. That's uh I've never I've never looked down um, on pass protection. That's that's literally half of my job, uh, and and that's 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 been instilled in me since since I was younger. And and ultimately this is that's something that I knew that I would that I would have to do in the NFL, and it's something I'm going to do in the NFL, and it's something that I practice and train for every day day in and day out in college. So. Uh, it's my job. I'm going to execute. I'm going to do what I do. What I need to do as far as protect Pat, and, and that's it. I'm going to protect him like like he's like he's a brother, which is he is. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.